3: Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app,
1: Apple podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Today, we're very excited. It's time for one of our very favorite segments here on Sminty, female first. And that means we are joined by one of our very favorite people, Eves. Hello, Eves. Hey, y'all. Yay.
2: How are you? How are you doing, Eves? I am doing well. I feel like that's such a loaded question. It is. <laughs> Anytimes, that's true. Um, yeah. Anytime anybody asks me how I'm doing, I'm like, oh, I have to feel all the feels right now. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but it's but it's a good thing. Like I'm 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 okay with working through that. Um, <laughs> but I feel um, I feel uh, hopeful. Okay, yeah, I'll say that. That's hey, good. That's yeah. a good place
3: to be.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um I'm I'm very excited to talk about the person you've yes. brought for us today Eve. So who who did you choose?
2: I am very excited to talk about Lucy Hicks Anderson. Yay. She's who we'll be talking about today. Um and it's honestly so long overdue to be talking about a trans woman on in this series. Yeah. Um I, I feel like there's a lot that's not known about her history, but I did a deep dive into all of the newspaper articles on her. And it's super weird and also fascinating to kind of track the way that um, the local newspaper was talking about her. But um, just to say what her first is and was, um, was she's considered one of the first trans people to fight for trans rights in court and considered the first, like, Black American trans woman to be put on trial for her identity. And as always, like, you know there's so many first happening for trans women like today mm-hmm. <laughs> just because of access because of whose story is told and and distributed and uh that being said like trans women have been pioneers for so long um they've been first for so long but have so frequently gone unrecognized mm-hmm. um so, yeah, that caveat that happens around first happens here, just like as we always do in other ep- episodes. But um, it's particularly relevant in this case, just because of how frequent uh, trans women, and especially trans Black women, go unrecognized in history. Absolutely. and um, And <laughs> selfishly, one of my
1: biggest frustrations when I research um, women of history is, um, or just history in general, the terminology didn't exist. And I never, ever, ever want to um, use the wrong identity for someone Mm -hmm. if I can help it. Um, But for so long, there was no terminology. And, And because of that Yeah, it's. I'm glad you put that caveat um, that so many people have probably, Mm -hmm. definitely did have first
2: that are unrecognized. Yeah, I was definitely going to bring up the language thing. I mean, as we know, language is always changing, and we want to use the terminology that a person would have wanted to use for themselves, and that— Lucy Hicks Anderson has been put in this category of, you know, trans women. And for that reason, we can say it was that first for a trans woman. But, you know, terms like transsexual, transgender, um, and like two-spirit are relatively new um, Mm -hmm. through like over the course of history in terms of when they were coined and when they started becoming Part of popular usage, Um, but the trans, non binary, and genderqueer identities have really existed for so long, for centuries. And obviously, gender is complicated, and our knowledge around it and our understanding of it and perception of it is consistently um, transforming. And it's also so personal, you know, Mm -hmm. it's so personal um, and so specific to a person. So that means that, like, finding first for trans folks who are no longer with us right. and can't speak for themselves is really difficult and uh, but but still also so important to me is like because that's so difficult. Yeah. I think that's why it's important to bring to the forefront a person like Lucy Hicks Anderson like I can't I can't just say oh it's difficult I'm not going to like yeah. talk about this person and and try to frame it as a first because the language around it is changing. Like, right. Let me just bring her story right. to the forefront because it, that's what needs to happen. Right. Um, and that's on top of the fact that they were so often marginalized and mm-hmm. persecuted for their identities, regardless of what the identity was called. Um, and they had to be very discerning about how they presented themselves yeah. and what they chose to record because, yeah, you know, once it's it when it's, once it's written, once it's recorded, it's there and right. Also, on top of that, their histories were often sidelined by cis folks who were actually doing the recording of the history. Mm -hmm. So, all those things, like, that just makes this a multi-layered situation, but does it negate the fact that Lucy Hicks Anderson's story is one that we deserve to learn about? No. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. um, And I love, this was such an amazing story. I love, it was almost like a page turner, because I thought, oh, when I first looked her up. Okay. Chef. Uh, And then I was reading along, oh, wow, this is going in a direction I really didn't anticipate. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of twists and turns. I will say that in her story, I'll just start off with a content warning up front because there is some mention of violence against Mm -hmm. women in this conversation. Um, But yeah, it's like a... It's twists and turns in this story. I mean, and it's super fascinating. And I think also telling that like the people who were the ones who recorded her words. Like I think we have to be careful because in the newspapers that quote her, it's like mm-hmm. she's not quoting herself. <laughs> Those right. are other people who are saying what she said in the courtroom. So but yeah, um a lot of twists and turns. So shall we shall we begin? Right yes. Let's okay. begin. <laughs> so she was born in Wadi, Kentucky in eighteen eighty six. Um She grew up there, and she knew from a young age that she was a girl. So she wore dresses, and she started going by the name Lucy when she was super young. And the story, as the story goes, her mother took her to a doctor when she was nine, and the doctor recommended that they raise her as a girl. And so she left school at age 15, and she began doing domestic work. So after a while, um, a little bit later in life, she married her first husband, Clarence Hicks, And that was in 1920. And she did later divorce him in 1929. They actually separated, I think, around 1926. Like, before they got to the point of actual divorce, they have been separated for a while. But when they were together, they moved to Oxnard, California. And so she did domestic work there, too. And as you brought up earlier, Annie, she worked as a chef. She was like, she was popping in Oxnard. Um, After she saved enough money, she purchased a boarding house. And she ran a brothel there and a speakeasy. And this was during Prohibition. And so, yeah, like I said, she was popping. Like, she was really well known for, in the community, she would host parties um, that people love to have her at in terms of, like, her serving and her hosting and her cooking. And she also appeared in (laughs) the city and county courts a lot. Um, when she and other sex workers in her establishment were arrested in raids. And reportedly, when she got arrested one night, Oxnard's, quote-unquote, "leading banker <laughs> um, bailed her out because he had planned a huge dinner party that would have failed if she were actually incarcerated. So he wanted her to be there so badly. He bailed her out. My dinner party Um, is in danger. (laughs) Take my money. (laughs) Yeah, which I think speaks to just how Mm well-liked and well-loved she was in, Mm -hmm. in the community there. Yeah, so in 1944, she married Reuben Anderson, who was in the Army. And there's not a ton of information out there about her life, but according to scholar C. Raleigh Snorton, Um, who wrote the book, Black on Both Sides, A Racial History of Trans Identity, which has a lot of cool information on Lucy Hicks Anderson in there. But a lot that was documented about her was taken from articles that were written between 1945 and 1946. And that's when her trials actually started getting a lot of media coverage across the U.S. Um, A lot of it was obviously centered in California because of like Oxnard, and that's where it was based, and But there was also national coverage of her court cases, which we'll get to in a second. I would recommend, like, if you're interested in learning more about Lucy Hicks Anderson, reading those newspapers. They are documented online. Like, you can get access to them online. But there is... A lot of dehumanizing and anti-trans language, yeah, and in those in those articles, as well as like a lot of misgendering. Mm. There's dead naming in there, and they put her name in quotes. Uh, oh. So yeah, like that's expect that when you read through those articles. Like they often appended "negro" to her, to her name. They were like Lucy Hicks Anderson Negro or Lucy Hicks mm. Negro, mm. like. <laughs> that was an essential part of right. her name, mm-hmm. um, and often too would call her like John Doe, and then put Lucy in parentheses. Wow, mm-hmm. um, or like just straight up call her the Oxnard Negro, as if there was only one. Oh. Black <laughs> <laughs> there was only one black person in Oxnard at the time, oh, and God. you bet it was Lucy Hicks Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, but. All that said, like there is uh, that that's the language that you'll encounter when you're reading these descriptions of all the, the stuff that was happening to Lucy at the time.
1: We have some more for you listeners, but first we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC.
2: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Speaking of articles, um, there is this one that that comes up that's kind of a flashpoint in her life. Um, On November 5th, 1945, there was an issue of Time magazine that included an article on Lucy. Wow. Yeah, and it was called. It was t- the title of the article was "Sin and Souffle." Oh, okay, homegirl. <laughs> yeah, so you can imagine what this is going to be about. Oh um, lord! <laughs> and it was titled that because, according to the article, that's what Lucy trafficked in: sin and souffle. In quotes, trafficked in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the article describes how she cooked for Oxnard's leading families, and how her cooking was the "quote unquote" talk of the town. So, I'll, I want to read an excerpt from the article so you can get a better sense of her character and appearance through the the through the words of the person who wrote the article. But here's the quote. As Oxnard grew, Lucy's lone body house expanded into a half block of frame buildings, each well-furnished, neatly painted, and with window boxes full of geraniums. In Ventura County, she became as well-known as Oxnard's huge American Crystal Sugar Company refinery. Lucy was the more spectacular sight. She wore bright, low-cut silk dresses from which her slat-like collarbones protruded, and she affected picture hats and high-heeled shoes. Her wigs were her pride. She had a long, black, wavy one, a short, straight, bobbed one, and for special occasions, a shoulder-length job in red. Um, yeah, so her wigs is like one thing people love to talk about in these in these articles. Mm-hmm. They were like obsessed mm-hmm. with her wigs. Um, yeah, so it also said in the article she gave generously to the Red Cross, to the Boy Scouts, and to the charities, and all in all in total, like the... The article is really laudatory of, of her life in Oxnard and the things that she did in Oxnard. Um, it was said that in the article, she was immune to the law because of her local fame and knowledge of town secrets. And I'm like, ooh, I want to know these town secrets. Yes. Um, but that, those weren't those weren't mentioned. So I'm like, well, what are those? Anyway, <laughs> she had, it also said that she had purchased nearly $50,000 in war bonds. Basically, the, the, the tone of the article in the beginning was, Lucy was doing really well. You know, she was this great community figure. She did a lot for a lot of people. She was, you know, she was moneyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the article, it was like this, if not Shyamalan twist, where it was like, the, like it said that a sailor had gotten an STI from one of the women at Lucy's brothel. And of course, it's posturing this in a way where like, that's a bad thing. and. Mm-hmm the article said that the women there, including Lucy, were forced to undergo a medical exam um, when this sailor had uh, brought up this instance. Um, And there's this kicker at the end of the article. Um, The very last sentence of the article is Lucy was a man. Like, that was the punchline. Um, And the whole life that they described so glowingly up until that point was like part of the joke. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Yeah, super bad, but mm-hmm. it was this led to like a basically another chain of events like it was a snowball after this whole forced medical examination situation. Um so it was revealed that Lucy was assigned male at birth. Um and then at that point, the Ventura County District Attorney voided her marriage to Reuben and arrested her for perjury. So, he justified that charge by saying that she signed the marriage license saying that there were no legal objections to the marriage. Right. So in that case, at the time, marriage was supposed to be between a man and a woman. That was how marriage was defined. And in their eyes, Lucy was not a woman. So by saying that there were no legal objections to the marriage, by signing the marriage license, she was in effect committing fraud. Like she was lying. So she pleaded not guilty to that charge of perjury, and at the same time, the whole time, the district attorney was maintaining that she was a man and therefore incapable of marrying Reuben. and yeah, that's how that whole situation kind of started and snowballed into a lot more back and forth with the court system, yeah,
3: I feel like that Times article was just kind of like a gotcha article. They were trying mm. to be so. Shocking, the level yeah. like trying to get the shock yeah. value. It's such a weird like
2: it, way yeah. of I'll, leading up to it. I also think that it worked in opposition to the goal that they were trying to. That it seems like they were trying to go for, which is like, well, you, she's an amazing person, as far right. as you tell me. Like the right. first three quarters of this article, and it wasn't that long. The first five, six of this article is are very. Yeah, praising of right. of Lucy. Right. So, like, as far as I can tell, like, what's the issue? what was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she sounds like she's right. like a source of joy in this community. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the impression that I got from it. Um, so yeah, it seems it's very uh weird, but also you know not to be expected. You know, right. yeah, yeah. So she went through a week long trial in Ventura County, and there was medical testimony given at the trial, where the doctors attested that Lucy was a man, um, and uh, Louise Gale testified as Lucy's sister. She said that she was Lucy's sister, and she affirmed Lucy's testimony that a doctor had told her that she was, quote, more of a girl than a boy in her childhood, referring back to the the um, part of her life that we spoke about earlier when her, her mother took her to the doctor. Mm-hmm. So Lucy testified that Reuben was her husband when they asked her, like, is Reuben your husband? She said yes. And she also said that she planned on staying with him till death do us part. Um, Yeah, so Lucy's defense attorney presented this theory that Lucy had, quote unquote, hidden organs that couldn't be discovered until she went through an autopsy after she died. So I want to highlight because... This just says it so concisely um, in a way better than I could, but I wanted to highlight apart from Snorton's Black on Both Sides book that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to read a quote here. In exchange for an unincarcerated life, Hicks Anderson's hidden organs defense offered up her corpse to be put to indefinite institutional use, indexing the medical industry's sustained practice of experimentation on Black bodies in the United States. Though Hicks Anderson's defense comprised a critique of medical wisdom as a science of the surface, it also highlighted how Black flesh had long been central to medical professional knowledge. And it's so relevant to things still happening today, you know, Black bodies being offered up for medical experimentation and for use as if they should just be objectified and treated as flesh in the wording of the author. From that quote, yeah, and it's just... I mean, gross, to yeah. put it plainly. So uh, on November 27th, 1945, a jury found Lucy guilty of perjury and she was incarcerated in the men's section of the Ventura County Jail, something that's also still happening to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, she was facing a term of up to 14 years in state prison. I think it was a minimum of one year and a maximum of 14 years in state prison for quote-unquote perjury. Um, on this marriage marriage license, but she was in the end sentenced to 10 years on probation um, with the first year spent in county jail. So she was incarcerated at the county jail from December of 1945 to May of 1946. And in early June of that year, after she was released, In early June of 1946, she held a political rally in Cookout to encourage people to vote. And you can read an article about this talking about the political rally that she held, actually. Um, And they said it was a Democratic political rally, but the quotes that they give from Lucy Hicks Anderson in the article itself is she's like, I'm not for anybody, you know. I'm just here. She was kind of very neutral in the situation, um, even though I think the rally was for like sheriff, <laughs> and uh, obviously positioned within the times in the conversations we're having around, you know, really taking a stand in the ways that we talk about policing mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right now. Is it was just funny to read that article like in right. the context of contemporary times? But all that said, um, there is an article about that political rally and and you know, positioning her as this person who's upstanding in the community and, like, holding these events that people want to go to. Um, But she would soon be incarcerated again. So, rewinding a little bit, you know, back in October of 1945, an FBI agent actually arrested her for failing to register for the draft in World War II. While she was awaiting her trial for perjury her charge for violating the Selective Service Act was actually dismissed. So that charge for not registering for the draft was dismissed, but that FBI agent went hunting for information on whether she was getting allowances from the government for being the wife of a service member. So he was like, I'm going to get you now. Like, maybe I couldn't get you for the draft thing, but, you know, we're going to find something. Mm. Um, Yeah, so Lucy did admit to getting texts from Ruben, but... The question was whether she was just getting allotments for Ruben or she was getting a wife, a quote unquote wife allowance, which was partly from a service member's pay and then partly from the US Treasury. So that made it a whole different situation since she would be getting money from the actual US government. Um, so if the latter was the case, she would also be accused of defrauding the government. Mm-hmm. So, of course, this entire time, Lucy was having to affirm that she was a woman, like she was having to defend her identity. Reuben was also arrested. Her husband was also arrested while he was on duty at Mitchell Field in New York. So he was a corporal in the Army Air Forces. Um, this was before the Air Force was established as a separate branch. So they were convicted of fraud Um, And Lucy was sentenced to a year in jail and a $900 fine in July of 1946. And so that $900 was about the same amount that she had gotten in allotments. And just to put that in context, like, that's about $12,000 today when you're accounting for inflation. Reuben was also sentenced to a year in jail in New York. So, yeah. um, Lucy, she was also prohibited from wearing traditionally feminine clothes. Mm -hmm. Um, and when they were released from jail, they were banned from returning to Oxnard, and Lucy was still on probation. But in 1949, Lucy was released from the terms of her probation after it was discovered that she, she had sold her Oxnard property. So the judge still advised that she stay out of Oxnard for at least the next year. But, you know, after at that point, Lucy, she rarely returned to Oxnard. Mm-hmm. And she spoke of missing her friends there, of course. Um, I can only imagine what it was like for her to go through that like emotionally and and be ex- essentially exiled from a place um where she created so much love and so much community and like was thriving mm-hmm. in a way, obviously, there was still a lot that she was up against, but um was a very active member of her community, um yeah, so. They lived in Los Angeles at that point, and Lucy died in Los Angeles in 1954. And it was reported in the Ventura County Star-Free Press, which is where that's the newspaper where you can read a lot of the articles that reported on her. Kind of like, especially in that 1945-46 time period, where it's just kind of like, okay, article. There was a point where it was like an article every other day following her court case. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it was reported there that a niece was with her at death, um, an unnamed niece. I don't think they named the niece in that article, but that they also said that her cremation and her burial were unattended.
1: We have a little bit more for you listeners, but first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member
0: FDIC. Focus Features presents Back to Black.
3: I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
0: Experience the music and her story.
3: Know this. I ain't no spy, Girl.
0: Like never before. That's
3: my daughter.
0: That's my Amy. (laughs) On the big screen.
3: I want to be remembered for just
0: being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
2: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So that's the story of Lucy Hicks Anderson. And definitely one that I think is so important to tell. And is also just so interesting to look back on. Yeah, um, totally agree.
1: Uh, I was so I was so glad that you you picked this one, and again, I angry that I hadn't heard of her earlier. Uh, so it's always great to spotlight these people that we should right. be spotlighting, um, and her story is amazing. Like, I I wasn't exaggerating before when I was, like, learning about her so excitedly and it was like, oh, and mm. this, and then there's a brothel and it's prohibition, but everybody liked yeah. her so much, so you let it go on. Right. Um, and, yeah, having, reading about someone who was so well-loved and it seems so generous with her herself and her time and her money, um... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it, it just made me sort of like, it, it was very inspiring. And also, <laughs> sometimes I get really modeling these days about like, oh, remember when we could do this thing with people? Mm-hmm. And just reading about uh, all the community functions she she planned and like the welcome home parties.
3: And right, she just seems so kind. Um, right. I mean… According to the articles and even just what we you were talking about and the small bits that I was able to research, she was a pillar in that community. Yeah. Um, and because uh, a doctor was forcibly trying to, I don't know, identify all the women in the brothel, which sounds very political in its way, of course, um, had to take down a woman who only wanted to love people. And I don't, you know, it's just such a yeah. big statement of, this label of, what did this do? How did this help? It helped no one. (laughs) There was nothing about what happened that actually helped anyone other than her coming out and saying, I will fight for who I am. And this is who Mm -hmm. I am. It's not even bigger than, I'm going to fight because I am a woman and I've been a woman and I don't understand. You've been accepting me as a woman. That's what you've seen. And there was no question until... Right, this nonsense essentially comes about and I do love I did watch a small a short documentary on her when they mm-hmm. said she was she was not above skirting the rules <laughs> that's kind yeah. of how she, and I'm like I like her so much <laughs> yes yes <laughs> I wish I had that courage <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: yeah yeah and that's what makes it so like extra sad that she essentially was exiled from a police she was so well loved and had built up um, all these friends, and then, um, for her funeral to be unattended, that's, that's so sad. Yeah,
2: I think that, yeah, like you said, Samantha, it just, it doesn't make any sense to pull somebody, I mean, out of a community that was contributing so much to that community. It's like, what is this going to do for you? But that's how anti-transness works, that's yeah, how anti-blackness right. works. Um. And all of those things that are wrapped up in in the, the life and story of Lucy Hicks Anderson. That you know there was, and, and then the issue of morality on top of that, in terms okay. of her being along with with, and obviously all the things of the the unnamed sex workers, because I didn't see any names of the sex workers who were also involved
1: mm-hmm.
2: in in all of the raids that were happening. But I think it's worthy to call out just that you know there were a lot of other people who were also implicated in the things that were happening along with Lucy Hicks Anderson. But yeah, it's just in- indicative in the thing that's still happening today when it comes to the way that trans Black people are treated. Um, and it's like, you know, frustrating to see that Lucy Hicks Anderson was born in 1886. Yeah. Like, that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, she operated during Prohibition, which like feels so long ago for us. It mm-hmm. was It was, you know, over the, whole course of history, not super long, but I mean, you know, we're so removed from, from that kind of time right now. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is frustrating in so many ways to see what Lucy Hicks Anderson had to go through. Um, and even though a lot of her story isn't told through her eyes and through the eyes of the people who are writing these articles, it is refreshing to be able to kind of get a chance to form this image of a person, this full round character, because I think so often um, we don't get that opportunity to see a person as round and as dynamic as Lucy Hicks Anderson has been presented. Like I was saying earlier in that Time Magazine article, it's like, y'all tried to make her flat, but guess what? Y'all did the opposite. Like, y'all... Y'all didn't take her personality away from her. Like, y'all still afforded her that. And I can see that through the article, no matter what y'all were trying to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I appreciate getting the opportunity to at least try to be able to imagine Lucy Hicks Anderson in this more expansive way, where um, I see that y'all were trying to kind of slick make fun of her in these articles, the way y'all talked about how she, she walked in with her wigs on and her her quote unquote, women's suits on and the way that she spoke about her husband, Ruben, and like saying, yeah, like, we're good. And, and when they found out that she had been, she actually had been married before Ruben, that was a whole other thing. You know, they were like, oh, well, you were divorced with somebody else. Um, yeah, so they did a lot to try to tear her down. But I was still able to see her as this this full person, this whole um, human being, I think, in in Looking back at the documentation of her, and I am, you know, happy that we are able to to bring these stories some light today. Yes, Yes. I love it.
3: Yeah, and I I just keep thinking because it's very small bit of what we have in her history, as you were saying, um, and it's very limited through the articles. But yeah, everything you read, every time I jumped from one thing to another, it was just pretty much how she kept pushing and did bigger, like whether it's, you know saying at a young age, no, I'm a girl, and the doctor being like, yeah, you are, to coming out at 15, making her own living, to being able to pay $50,000 for a home and business, and she's just doing it. And it's like, um, there's really not much to be said other than she's a success in the <laughs> story, and she made sure that people knew, well, and you, I guess history made sure that we knew she was successful, in the, and
2: that's it. And that's what she got outed by. Yeah. Yeah. Um like I'm not I'm not being fooled no (laughs) no um,
1: it is I mean it's terribly terribly frustrating and sad but also kind of like you're saying it's almost funny because it's like you're saying all of these nice things like if you're just giving me these sort of facts and they all sound really good (laughs) like (laughs) It's like they, they've just, they were missing the whole point. Um, And it, it almost becomes a joke on them. And of course, the power dynamics make it a dangerous thing. Um, And one that, yeah, we're still seeing today. So there is that, that layer to it. But yeah, I mean, especially with our modern eyes, I was reading a lot of these articles like, this person sounds amazing, but I can tell you're trying to convince me that they're not.
3: <laughs> also, yeah, I'd want to right. be friends with her. She's the connection that I would have wanted to have <laughs> right. at that point in time. She, I would like, need a, the
1: dinner party yeah. to say, willing to get her out of jail because <laughs> she was so essential.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I just wanted to, um, I think I know that the documentary you were talking about, the short documentary, um, We've been around.com. Yes, yes, yeah. We've been around, yeah. Just yeah. wanted to, you know, call attention yes. to that.
1: Thank you, as always, for for stopping by, Eves. Um, always a pleasure. And we, we really appreciate you bringing these stories. Um, legitimately excited every time uh, to, figure, to learn who you are spotlighting. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Where can the listeners find you?
2: Um, so y'all can find me at Eve's Jeffco on Twitter. You can find me at Not Apologizing on Instagram. I am no longer the host of This Day in History class, but there's a huge backlog of episodes for the show. So if you still want to hear my voice on the show, <laughs> um, you can listen to This Day in History class. Um, you can also listen to Unpopular. And that's what I got, y'all. Awesome. Awesome. Definitely... Go
1: check Eve's out, listeners. She's amazing. Um, you can also contact us if you what? want. Yes, that's right. We have a, an email address. <laughs> it is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Stuff I Never Told You or on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thanks. <laughs> and thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC
3: Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring Not
1: banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life.
3: PNC Bank, Brilliantly Boring Since 1865.
1: Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a National Association member, FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter.